everybody. What's up? It's uh, Tanya. You are watching On the Town with Tanya. And thank you so much for joining us again this week. Um, guess what month it is? It's National Foster Care Awareness Month, guys. Yay. So uh, this is supposed to be the time that our president made it an initiative that every citizen should do what they can to raise awareness about foster care. So as you know, because <laughs> I am the executive director and founder of Foster Kids Unite Incorporated, um, you can check us out anytime. Uh, and uh, and uh, sorry about that. <laughs> and my volume was up, hello. Um, but yeah, so that's when we're supposed to raise awareness about foster care um, and anything, you know, adoption. Uh, so I'm doing what I can. So to start out with, uh, hi, hi, Susan, how are you? Um, so to start out with, um, I found some really great uh, TikToks. And um, while some people, you know, short TikToks are short, that's the only thing I don't like about them, but I get it, you know, copyright, I guess, I don't know what the issues are. But um, I found a couple that I thought were pretty good. Um, so I'm going to play a few of them. And if you have any type of uh, questions, about foster care or um, any questions, um, just in general, um, please put them in the chat because I can see what you type and I will try to answer them. And if for any reason I can't answer them today, you can inbox me and I promise you I will answer them. I will address them because uh, foster care awareness is so important. Um, I always say, I've coined the phrase, you never know when you're going to encounter a foster youth. Uh, and it is better to have information than have nothing. Uh, because that could be the difference between life and death. So here we go. I'm going to get into a couple of those uh, TikToks. Uh, let's see which one we're going to start off with right here. There you go. I told people I was adopted my entire life, and it wasn't until I was an adult that I learned that I was rehomed, not adopted. Google guardians drove me up to a home, unloaded all my, my one backpack full of things, and then drove off. And for the rest of my life, I was a believe I believed I was adopted by my mom and dad. I told people that. I thought they were in my parents' like nine-year-old me thought I was adopted. When I was 20, I went to court and legally changed my last name to their name, and I had no idea that that was not adoption. It wasn't until I was trying to help my sister get enrolled in public school and we didn't have the paperwork to do so that I learned that my parents were never my legal guardians, were never my legal parents, and that an adoption had never taken place. And it's fairly easy to do. You don't want your adopted child anymore. You just give them away to someone else and hand over power of attorney. There are, is a business of rehoming children in the US, children are tossed around like goods and not treated like people. And that's So uh, I want to address that video because um, I love this young lady's, um, how do you say, vibality. I don't know. She was very vibrant uh, in spite of all. But uh, that's one uh, issue that I've always had. A lot of times I see, well, at least lately I see that a lot of people are not adopting kids they've had since babies. And I said, why wouldn't they adopt them? They've been there for like all their lives because then they can buy their house and their car and pay their house notes or whatever they need to pay. I've literally seen people keep foster youth uh, from the time they were little kids until they turned 21. And then they tell them, bye. Um, and they didn't adopt them because they would no longer get the same amount of money. Okay. So that's what that hustle is about. And now can I say... Um, you know, foster care to me lately, this is how we're going to say it, is almost like uh, it is a business. That's first of all, let's just keep that. Not to the child. The poor child is just caught in the business. He's the, They are the business. Um, but um, it is a business. Okay. And with that in mind, I don't personally mind if someone is keeping me for money. 
Um, but when I leave, there's a benefit to it. So I know one friend of mine who had foster youth uh, when they were little till they're 21, but when they left, they had $10,000 or 20,000 or whatever it is, or their first business or whatever it is, you know, because the parent stashed all the money until it was time for the kid to go. Not all the money they get, but remember there's money that the parent gets the foster parent in New York. That's like, I don't know, like if it's a special needs child, special needs, meaning ADHD, um, hyper, um, how you said that hyper, um, what's the other one? Um, uh, what do you call it? De uh, depression, whatever. Any diagnosis pretty much gives you an extra uh, special needs. Uh, and that's like, I don't know, it could be 900 to a $1,000, $1,200 uh, per kid. So I get that people do this for money. I get that. But there has to be a really a head to head on. I know I can make a change in this, this business. I know I can save a life and change a life. And I know that even though I'm getting paid, that this kid is going to be much better off coming through my house and learning all the things they need to learn about how a family functions, you know, uh, about bank accounts, um, saving money, starting a bit, whatever those things are that a family teaches you, how to negotiate, which is where arguing with your siblings coming, come in. Uh, all those things is what a family teaches you versus a group home. Totally different. A group home is your fend for yourself. Good luck with that. That's group home, in my opinion. Unless you get really lucky and get a really great uh, group home parents, then you might get lucky. Um, but I get, you know, I get that people are going to make money. That's That's just a fact. My thing is this, if you are in it to make money because you're in it just as much to save a life, I'm not going to argue with you. I don't mind because you, I know like one of my friends, you know, her kids have the nicest clothes. They go to the best school. She fights for them to go to private school um, because she knows that they're at a disadvantage because they didn't catch up in third grade. So little things like that. Um, so she's not just a, she's not a flossy parent as she is, I'm going to make sure this kid has the best of everything that they need mentally, physically, and spiritually so that they can excel and be the best. Now, what one of my friends did is waited till the kid turned 21. Then she adopted him because it made more financial sense. I mean, I mean, if you look at it that way, if you're putting money away for the child and paying off your house for your side that you get, and then the money you get from them, because they get an, the children get like uh, it was when I was a kid, a hundred and something dollars allowance every month for clothes. Uh, and then you get like a weekly allowance or something like that. It may have changed. I hope it's gone up by now. If it hasn't, shame on you. Uh, but that's one. And then the parents get their own separate money. And then all their medical bills are paid for, health, all that stuff is paid for. Now, how my mom got them to pay for private school, I don't know. But she insisted that I go to Ripawam because she was like, nah. And I got kicked out twice. But that's another story. Uh, but that was my, me, I didn't like being the only, well, I looked like the only black kid. I found out I wasn't. Um, but, but I look like the only black kid. So I didn't kind of like that. And not because I really cared. It was just awkward. You know, when you're seven years old, eight years old, and you're looking at everybody, nobody in there looks like you, you kind of feel a little bit intimidated. It's like, you know, when they show videos of everybody and then they show you your videos with dogs being, eating your people for civil rights, it's like awkward. So, I mean, they didn't show that, but I'm just giving you an example of how awkward it can be. I didn't care. Because I thought my grandfather was white all my life till I did a DNA. So I didn't really care about that. It was just I knew I stood out different than everybody else. And they treated me nice, honestly. Um, but it was weird. Um, so anyway, again, to go off this girl's uh, video, it's one thing if you're in it for the money and for the money only. And then you'd be like, bye, kid. It's another thing. If you say, huh, I really need the money, but 
just as badly. I want to change a life and make sure that this kid is winning at all times. I see nothing wrong with that. I don't see nothing wrong with that. As long as the kid is winning is equal to you winning and that you have a stash saved for them when they leave so that you're not adopting them. It's, it's kind of like, I, it makes me feel like a throwaway kind of like, thanks. You just used me to get your house mortgage paid off and now you don't have nothing for me. Oh, that's great. Did you ever really love me? So those things will come into my mind, but I'm okay with that. If I have, you know, here's 20 grand for you to leave. Um, I know you have to go into the real world now. I'm here. If you need me, give me a call for the holidays, that type of thing. Okay, fine. But, but have something for it, please. In fact, I think what they should do for all children in foster care is have a trust fund. Every last bit of the money that they get for the kids, that the kids does not go in the kid's pocket for spending clear, obvious things, receipts. They should act, they should, they should have receipts for the hundred and something dollars that they give. Um, and they should have the kids say, oh, I got new clothes or whatever it is. But if they don't, above all, the agency should have a trust account. And number two, I forgot something. Things like when your parents, I didn't know this, but when your parents, if you're in foster care and your parents die while you're in foster care, did you know you possibly could go after the agency for the social security money? Because they're getting it usually. They're trying to get the money. I know in my case, somebody got my mother's money and uh, that wasn't right. So I forgot about that little sidebar, guys. If you were in foster care and your parents deceased while you're in care, you might want to go back to social security and figure out where that money went. Cause you're supposed to get it. Even though, especially if you're not, if you're not adopted, if you're adopted, I'm not sure, but if you're not adopted, that's supposed to be your money. So check it out. Uh, get a lawyer, go to legal aid, wherever you have to go to figure it out. Um, because, uh, I just realized that fact. Um, but okay. So I'm going to show you another TikTok, and I'll address whatever they have to say. Let's see which one is next. This young man, who it's amazing, but he did a TikTok and he's amazing. Um, check him out. So we're gonna do a quick story time while I fill these containers for the SOS drive. Growing up in foster care, I was never really believed as a kid, especially when I would report some of the abuse that I was undergoing. So I grew up always having to have proof of everything that I said. I recently went viral on a video about a Karen. And ever since then, people have been harassing me, making death threats, and just being really just inhumane on the internet. And just like growing up in foster care, it literally takes people to see videos that I record to have them believe me. So I wanna let you guys know that racism is real and it affects us who already have anxiety from foster care. Earlier this morning, a person literally went on my Instagram and said that they wanted to kill me because they didn't like the way I was using my platform to spread light on the dark truths of society. But what they don't understand is that I've been to the bottom of society. I've seen the worst in humanity. And that is what gives me the strength to continue to fight for those and spread light and spread the word. So you saw that one. Wow. So this young man, uh, he has a TikTok and he does a lot of the issues in foster care, not the good ones either. Um, but he's, he's got a point. I mean, we all have something to say and that's the end of the day. I don't know if some of you know this, but I was in foster care all my life. I have good stories and I have bad stories. Thank God it's mostly good stories, but I have some bad ones. Um, and I, and I've overcome them, uh, you know, with years of therapy and, you know, studying psychology. Uh, but, um, many kids won't, uh, overcome whatever they're going through. So that's a real thing. And, and he's talking about racism and foster care. There are a lot of issues, um, in foster care. And I will tell you this, if you do your research on foster care, when it started, it was very racist, very racist. I mean, really racist, really bad. Um, uh, it initially started with the Catholic services, you know, um, let's just say, let's say, 
way back one long time ago um, in Ireland. If you go to Ireland, you go to certain places, you will find a high number of, um, what do you call them, uh, nuns uh, who used to take care of orphans. And they usually were kids who were either products of rape or or they were really young and, and you know, doing what they shouldn't have been doing. Um, and they got pregnant. So the parents are like, no way, we're going to send you away to the nuns and you have the baby. And then they would take the baby. And that's how a lot of people in their 50s and 60s, 70s, 80s uh, were adopted, um, especially the ones that are older right now that are like 70, about 70-ish when, when it all first started. Oh, it's pretty ugly. I mean, my friends in Ireland got bad stories about their nun, their their situation. It was horrible, horrible. I have good stories about nuns. My um, here in New York, um, Sister Lily and Massey. Thank you, wherever you are in heaven, she saved my life. Uh, so I have nothing but great stories. But the ones in Ireland uh, and some parts of uh, different parts depends on where you go in the the um, the diocese and the the uh the catholic services and um then the jewish services took over then uh it, it became a it became a thing of what religion are you which to me is like what if a kid needs a home like why would you care what religion the kid is and where why would you care like i mean i know you have to respect so if i'm jewish you have to respect you know certain things that i do you know certain holidays i get that part but other than that like if i need a home why would i why would i care so long story short, um, there is a lot of, I call it discrimination in foster care. Still, if you go to any group home right now, uh, especially the larger ones, which I call them orphanages, which is probably the wrong name. But when I say orphanage, I personally mean over 500 kids running around. That's all I can think of calling it. What else would it be? I mean, like, you know, it's not a detention home. That's a different story. Those people are there because they did a crime or they, you know, they did something bad. Of uh, Orphanage to me are kids who their parents are not claiming them or can't claim them, don't have them for whatever reason, uh, or they died um, um, or they're not getting them back. So to me, it's the same thing. Um, but uh, yeah, racism is a big thing. If you get a chance, where's that book? Um, read the Wilder stories. It's by this New York Times reporter. I'm trying to see if I can find it. Of course, I don't have it right here on hand. Um, but the Wilder stories, I think it's called. Look it up. Um, and I forgot the name of the New York Times reporter did a story on this one girl, something wilder was her name, a little black girl, and she was dark skinned like me. Uh, and they she was mistreated so bad, just sent through the system. Horrible, horror. Um, but I know for a fact, my my siblings and I, I know I have one brother, the one I'm looking for, um, Mark. Um, he's you know, lighter skin, red hair, freckles. Uh, I'm sure he got adopted off quicker because he was lighter. Um, which is crazy, but I mean, he was cute. I got to say he was like the cutest thing. What, what two-year-old's not cuter than, than a seven-year-old you know, or a six-year-old? I mean, come on. So with that being said, I, I didn't mind because he was cute. He was a cute kid. All my, all my, all my siblings were adorable. Um, but, um, you know, if you go, if you went to this place that I was at back then, St. Christopher Jenny Clarkson back in the day, um, go to the gym on Saturday and Sundays, parents would come and pick what kids they were going to take home. Uh, and, uh, most of the time, always the light skin first, white first, if there was any, then, uh, black kids. And the reason why there was more black kids in foster care is because there, the laws, um, were kind of shady. Let's say, you know, civil rights, Jim Crow, come on. The, if you were a black parent and you sneezed, they would take your kid away from you. And then you had to go through all the procedures to get it back. So it, it was really set a system set up to fail for black families. So if you were just poor and didn't have enough food, that was warrant to take your kid away, pretty much. And if you're white, that back then, 
if they took your kid away, you was doing some tribe. You were like literally doing physical abuse or something out where the obvious eye can see it before they take your kid all the way away. Um, and which is sad because a lot of my white older friends suffered at the hands of abuse of their parents and they should have been put in foster care. Um, I know one of my friends, uh, and she's like, she's, I say for my friend, she's a senior citizen um, now. She's very, very older. I won't say how much older because I don't want to guess who she is. Um, but, you know, she came from a family where her father was sexually abusing her since she was could remember five years old, four years old. She, she could remember. And she thinks her mother knew. So what she did was she saved up all her money. And every penny she would get, every holiday, every allowance, because she decided at some point instead of suicide, that didn't work. So she was going to fight. So she saved up everything. She was smart in school. She made sure she got the best grades and suffered through all that. And she said, I'm going to wait and get in the best college, finish college, and I'm going to be the best at whatever I do. So she went through college, made them pay for everything, stashed her money all those years, like a heart, just hoarding all her money, everything. And she graduated college. They have never heard from her since the day she graduated from college. She didn't even, she didn't even wait for the, for the ceremony. Just give me my diplomas, give it, send it to the house. She got that. She was done. She has never heard from her parents and she told her kids what happened. So they would never contact grandpa and grandma. Cause obviously pedophiles like that, they will do it again. It's a guarantee that they'll do it to your kids. If they did it to you, it's a guarantee. They'll do it to your kids and their kids and they don't care. There's no boundary with people like that. So she, she's now almost 80 years old. And she's having heard from her parents since she left home. At, when, you, when did you graduate college? 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. You got master's degree since she was like 24 or something like that. Some, something like that. Whatever age you graduate, your master's. Go figure. So uh, you, there, she said that CPS, should somebody should have known something. She was a little girl. How could you not know that? So that's an example of, well, when you took it to a doctor, didn't the doctor think something was odd? Nope. Because the family was very rich, so they had no clue. So there's a lot of people at home suffering that should be in foster care, and especially back then, there was a narrative to just you know with all the all the stuff that was racism and stuff. I mean, come on, Jim Crow. Do you not think that like, there was a great excuse to split up families? I mean, you know, my case, my mom's on drugs. I get that. Um, quite frankly, I think that it had they given her the proper help. If there was help available back then for anybody, it's, so I'm not, they, they didn't single her out, don't get me wrong. Um, if there would have been help and rehabs, she probably would have been able to get her act together. Um, but it's okay because everything happens for a reason. And I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now or raising awareness now, quite frankly, if it wasn't for that. So with that being said, um, I want you to know that, you know, if you have a home to take a kid and you really, really, really know that you can make a change or a difference in that kid's life, and let me tell you about the difference. So if I'm in a group home, all I'm really getting in a group home is a roof over my head, three square meals and a snap sacks, a little allowance, like $13 a week, uh, and some free school education. Okay, that's free. But how can I focus on that when I know I got to leave here one day and I don't know what the plan is? So while I'm at the group home, I'm supposed to be learning how to do laundry, how to do bills, but most of them never learn to pay the rent and all that stuff and how to budget. They usually don't learn that. They're starting to get better some places. Um, but if you had a home, the difference would be if you're at, now, this is all, here's another thing. If you were raised in a jacked up home, I probably wouldn't get a foster kid unless you've had therapy. If you had therapy, okay, no problem. But if you haven't had therapy, I probably wouldn't get a foster kid because all you're going to do is add your craziness to their craziness and two craziness makes a double craziness. You don't want that. I'd rather the kids stay in the home or group home, quite frankly, than to go to a home that's even more chaotic. Uh, and that's because they're used to their chaos in the group home. They're used to that. That's their norm. 
but to go to this place that they think is going to be their savior and then to find out it's the monster and make more chaos. Now that I got the abandonment, I got neglect, I got abuse from my past place and I come to your place and now and I got all that, take that, attach it to more abuse, more abandonment because you're not really there because you can't be there because you never got help for yourself. So you, how are you going to be there for the kid, right? Mm. Uh, so we have a roof again, some three squares and what? Nothing. Uh, so I always tell people, this is how you gauge it. If you came from a jacked up home and you did not get therapy or get help or groups or anything to process what happened to you, you know, if you were abused as a kid, if you were verbally abused, physically, sexually, doesn't matter, and you never got help for that, I probably wouldn't get a kid because guess what? All it's going to do is trigger your, your events. You know what I'm saying? And we usually attract the same crap that we had from our childhood. So if we're used to a chaos home, we create chaos in our relationships, right? If we're used to, uh, you know, not speaking up for ourselves because we were the kid that would never tell, what do you think you're going to do? Same thing. Nothing changes. Just a different day. So I wouldn't advise anybody to get a foster kid or adopt a kid. If you came from a chaotic, abusive home, and you just hid it all your life and never told anybody, never shared it with nobody, never got therapy for it, never figured it out and, you know, put it in your Louis Vuitton suitcase and stored it away nicely. I probably wouldn't uh, because I, I just think it would translate all that. All your drama will somehow translate to that kid and they don't need extra, extra drama. They're used to their trauma and drama where they're at the group home and many go through it and end up coming out on top. I survived. I've lived in group homes before. I've survived. You know what I'm saying? So you can survive. It's all a matter of the personal, personally, the kid. You know what I'm saying? I'm a fighter. Like you just can't, if you try to throw me in a ditch, I'm definitely going to get out. <laughs> like that's just me. Um, but some people are not, they're just going to lay there and be like, okay, I'm in the ditch. So that's fine. But I don't want to be in the ditch. And then you come and throw dirt on me. And then, uh, you know, don't leave me a hole to get out. I mean, just, you know, you don't add chaos to chaos is what I'm trying to say. So with that being said, I think I've had enough on that. If you have any questions about it, be my guest. Uh, and the, the young man uh, it, it, um, mentioned the anxiety. You know, yes, us former foster you have a lot of anxiety, but that's because we, we're like, we're, we're, we're like, we're, hey guys, we're like worry warts. Um, is that how I say? It? We're worry warts. We worry a lot. And that's because, think about this. Before I was seven years old, I went to different places and- you know, um, and so, you know, imagine if you have to go and sleep in some place that you've never been to in your life, leaving your home. And then you go to some strange place and some strange place. You've never seen it. You get in the car and they take you, these people in this cop take you somewhere. You don't know who the hell they are. You've never deal, dealt with the police. You don't know who that is. You have to go to this place. You got a plastic bag. You get to this place and there's like 10 other people who need a home but they have to sleep on this cot tonight too because they didn't find a place for you yet. Could you imagine? And then now you go, so you got your bag and you got your little sibling. One, If you're lucky, you got your siblings. And now you get to go, you got to go to this other place. And that place has like 200 kids. And now you've got to sit on a cart and you're with your siblings, but you don't even have time to say, what's going on? It's just like, shut up, follow what I do and don't talk to anybody. That's pretty much your theory. So imagine this, that you have to go through that and you're sitting there and every night, you know, creepy people are around. You don't know who's going to try to turn, do anything to you, right? Imagine that. And then you got to go to another place, okay, with your plastic bag. And if you're lucky, your siblings, they didn't take you yet, right? And you go to another place and then met 500 kids. 
Could you imagine? Actually, they have more than I think they have more like a thousand kids at St. Christopher Jenny Clarkson. I'm, I'm not children, I'm, I'm not mistaken. And Children's Village has <laughs> way many. Uh, so I'm not sure. Uh, I got to look at the numbers on that, but they have a lot. Uh, that's the point I'm making is imagine being six years old at a place with 500 kids running around and you just, whoop, you're going here. You drive up from from Brooklyn, New York to Manhattan, through Manhattan to Westchester County, and you've never seen New Westchester. You never even knew Westchester existed. All you knew was Bedford Stuyvesant. That's all you knew. And now you're in this place with all these trees. Oh my gosh, what is going on here? And then you've got all these kids coming up to you. Yeah. So where are you from? Where where are you from? And you know they're little vultures. You can tell by their eyeballs. They're looking at your little bag, like what you got in your bag, right? Imagine this. Imagine being six years old and going from place to place. And nobody's told you nothing yet, by the way. No one said, hi, my name is Susie Orbacher, and I'm here to take you away from your mommy because she's on drugs and I need to take you somewhere to be safe. And I'll just trust me. I'm going to make sure you're safe and I'm going to take you to this place, but I'm going to check in on you. Make sure you're okay. You just make sure you let me know that no one said that to me. I don't remember nobody saying no, no, no. So if you're a social worker, remember to clarify with even a seven-year-old, let them know what is going on. Cause I don't remember not, I was like, you know, I mean, if it wasn't for my siblings, I'd be like, duh, you know, but for me at that age, I didn't really care what was going on. As long as I saw my siblings face, I was cool. I was cool. You could take me anywhere. If I was with my siblings, I was good. That's why I don't believe in separating siblings. Cause once you do now they got, you're like, now it's like, you're taking the seven-year-old, six-year-old from their house and putting them on a freaking island with all these um, new people. And you're like, what? Well, how do I get back? What do I do? It's sort of like when they kidnapped the slaves and they brought them to America and they didn't speak the language and they didn't know the culture. That's kind of how a foster kid feels at six years old being taken somewhere. I'm just letting you know. Anyway, if you read my book, Surviving Foster Care and Making It Work For You on Amazon, it's, um, you know, it's written in a juvenile form, uh, format, I'll call it purposely so that you can understand how I felt. Uh, so let me give you one more TikTok. Um, which one was it? Uh, I got this one. I got that one here. Let's try this one. It's side words, by the way. Things that are different in my foster home versus regular homes, part five. We are legally not allowed having our room in the basement unless there's an exit in case of a fire. Depending on behavioral factors, you may not allow to enter your foster sibling's room no matter how close you are with them. Social workers and other foster kids come and go, so there's a lot of inconsistency. Therapy is fully paid for. Any medication that we want to start taking needs to be approved by our social worker first before we start taking it. Our entire day is supposed to be recorded. At the end of the day, our foster parent writes case notes. Everything from what time we wake up to where we went throughout the day to what we ate during the day is supposed to be written down in the case notes, although it's very unnecessary. In some agencies, the foster parent cannot post their child's face on social media. Yeah. So just to address what she said, I hate when parents post their children up on social media. I think it's gross. I think it's, uh, it's um, what's the word? a little too, not gloaty. Like, I know you're proud of your kids, but to put them up on social media is just, I think it's tacky. I've seen people do that. Look, look at my baby, my foster kid. First of all, when that kid gets older and they see that and you see you referring them as foster kid, they're going to feel kind of shady about you. Um, that's number one. Um, and that's one of the reasons why you don't see Foster Kids Unite. I don't, you don't see a lot of my kids coming on like, Hey, I was a foster kid. I'm here for foster kids unite. We're not doing those kind of PSAs. I, I do have kids give me testimonies once in a while. Um, but I try not to because it's, it's humiliating. I never forgot being five years old. Smile, smile for the social worker. It's like, hi, 
What am I smiling for her for? She should be smiling at me. I'm the one giving her a paycheck. You feel me? Uh, so I, I just never got that concept. Like, come on, we're going to here today. You have to be on your best behavior. Why? <laughs> Why can't I be? I'm always on the best behavior. Why do I need to change it today? Uh, so I don't like that. And when she was talking about siblings and rooms. So when you get, uh, if you're a foster parent and you have foster kids, um, even even your kids from other homes and they're not they were not born together out of the same womb, you would want to, the reason why you can't have them, they can't go into other kids' room is because like me, um, I was being sexually abused by other two, two other foster brothers. Um, uh, and uh, so um, they didn't see me as a sibling like I saw them as a sibling. You know what I'm saying? I can't explain it. So it's kind of weird, but until you know that bond is really there, it could be weird. And if you know those children that you just got was sexually abused, you might want to keep your eye on them because they might prey on the younger kids or the naive kids. That's all I'm saying. So that's about that. Uh, and what else? I think that's it. And then I got one more for you. It's here right in front of you. This is where you want to be. It's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. Hmm. Well, okay. That one was interesting, but uh, that wasn't the one I wanted to play, but it's okay. Um, so basically, I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, it is Foster Care Awareness Month. It's the month that we're supposed to do something, anything we can in our neighborhood to raise awareness about foster care. So I thought I'd play these little TikToks for you today. Um, I hope you learned something about something and that you'll share something that you did learn. I hope that you will check us out on May 22nd. Go to the event page on Facebook called Foster Survivors Virtual Book Tour because all of us will be um, speaking to foster youth, well, mostly to people in the field of foster parents and adoptive parents, but seven of us have authored books and we will be there to tell people why we wrote our books and share pieces of our story, our stories. There's seven speakers. Um, we have um, Angela uh, Kiana Banks is going to be speaking. She wrote the Black Foster Youth Handbook. Um, we have Justin and Alexis Black, Alexis, excuse me, Black speaking. Um, they wrote De Redefining, um, uh, I forgot the name of the book. Sorry, just have to look it up. Look on my poster, you'll see it. Um, and we have Donna Maddox speaking. We have Tamika McLean speaking and myself speaking. It's going to be Emma Shenandoah, Chefalo speaking. It's going to be fabulous. You know why? Because nobody knows better than former fosters what fosters need. That's just my thought on it. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's my thought. So all the agencies out there, you might really want to call us up to speak and call us, call this in for advice when you're changing laws and policy, because we know, because we lived it. Many of us have lived in over 30 homes, so we know better than anybody. Uh, so with that being said, guys, I'm going to play a music video and then we're going to be out of here um, until next week. And next week, um, let's see, I will be, I will be away. I will be away. So, but I will be uh, still here. It should, it'll be like one o'clock in the morning where I'll be at. So that's going to be another story, but we'll still work, make it happen. Uh, thank you so much for watching. Don't forget to check out 
by Black Comics on Saturday um, and on the town with Tanya every Thursday and Sunday. Uh, I thank you guys for watching. I'm going to play this uh, video by Miss Tatiana. Um, and then we're going to be seeing you next week. Let me see who said a comment before I play that. Uh, let's see who was here. Hey, Susan, what's up? I'm, oh, you're on the, oh, thank you, Susan. Oh, thank you, Susan. It was nice to see you. Thank you for showing up. Uh, hi, Grandma. What's up? What's up, Anthony? Yes, that you don't adopt them. I know, Anthony. It's crazy, right? People, I know someone that had the daughter till she was 21 and then was like, bye. I was like, how do you do that? Who has the heart? Uh, I said her three nieces. Uh, uh, oh, wow. Master's degree. Good for you. That is big, Anthony, because a lot of times fosters don't graduate. So that's really big. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So, guys, I'm going to play this. My daughter um, did this music video in this song, um, Hurt You by Tatiana. Make sure you go to the YouTube page, like. Um, and if you find her on Instagram, go go uh, friend her, Coop de Loop. All righty. C O U P. Yeah. D E L O O P. All right. Bye. Hold up. Tatiana hurt you. Check it out on YouTube, guys. Make sure you like and subscribe and like and subscribe to On the Town with Tanya so I can bring you more information. Uh, until uh, what's today? Today is Sunday. Ooh, until Thursday, I'll see you. Actually, this Thursday I will be airing a um, a I'll be airing a replay because I will be uh, I'll be away. All right, I will talk to you soon. Bye. <music>